Good evening, um, News Underground. This is Zen Alexander Iqbal speaking. Um, ahead of the incoming 21, or 2021 election, which takes place next week on Tuesday, we wanted to talk with Jen Clellan, professor of mathematics here at CU Boulder, in her efforts to make redistricting more fair using math. Uh, Dr. Clellan, Jen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so our first question this evening, uh, Jen, is what made you interested in focusing on redistricting for this particular project? Uh, you know, it's, I almost got into it by accident. In 2017, I saw that uh, Moon Duchin, who is a professor at Tufts University and who's been in this area for a while, was um, hosting a, a workshop. And I thought it sounded interesting, and I applied to attend, and I got in, and I went. And it was just one of those weekends that changes your life. I was just fascinated by the mathematical issues, the political issues, and I've been working in this area off and on ever since then, so about four years now. That's great. Um, and just to dive in, just straight up, we were talking a little bit before, but how can you explain how your computer models work if you're speaking to maybe a class at CU or to you know, us in the studio? Okay, so the idea here is, and let, let, let me give some background here. So when we elect members to Congress or to the state legislature, uh, the, the state is divided up into districts, and every district elects one person to that body. So um, in order to do that, you have to draw the districts and figure out where on the, you know, literally draw them on a map. Where are they going to be? And one of the requirements is that the districts are required to have very close to equal population uh, so that everyone has equal representation. And because of that, every time we have a census and we get new population data, the districts have to be redrawn in order to rebalance the population. So that's the redistricting that's happening now in every state in the country, both for congressional districts and for state legislative districts. Um, and so then you get into the question of, well, does it matter how you draw the districts? And it turns out that it matters quite a lot how you draw the districts as to what sort of outcomes you get in terms of who wins the seats. And so then that gets into the question of how do you draw districts fairly? And can you draw them unfairly? So we, we've heard a lot about gerrymandering, where, which is where whoever is controlling the, the, the map drawing process draws the districts in a way that favors one political party deliberately, uh, more than might be expected normally. So the idea, so here's the problem. The problem is that detecting that is very difficult. You can't just look and say, did the party that got this certain percentage of the vote get that same percentage of the seats? That's called proportional representation when that happens. And single-member districts, like we have, it turns out, are a really terrible way to achieve that. It doesn't happen naturally. You can just imagine that, say, you had 60% pink party, 40% purple party. If they were distributed very evenly, maybe you have three pink voters and two purple voters in every single house, then no matter how you draw the districts, pink wins everything, right? And so you get a very disproportional outcome. So you can't just look at the outcome and say, was it proportional to decide whether it was fair or not? And there's a long history of litigation around trying to decide, you know, when, when, is, when is too much too much? How can you identify when gerrymandering has occurred? And to a large degree, the legal system has kind of thrown up their hands and said, well, we don't like this, but we don't have a good way to measure it. So we're not going to 
you know, throw out any particular plans. So this is where the math comes in. A pretty simple idea is that the opposite of gerrymandering is not gerrymandering. So what you do is you try to figure out what not gerrymandering looks like, and you have a computer randomly generate a very large collection, thousands or even millions, of valid legal districting plans, and then you take real election data and you basically overlay it. So for every plan in your collection of plans, which we call that collection an ensemble, you look at every district, you look at the voters who were in that district for some statewide election, just so you're comparing apples to apples, and you say, if this had been the district and these were the votes, what would the outcome have been? So you say, this plan maybe would have produced this many pink and this many purple seats. But that plan would have produced a different number of seats. And you just keep track over these many thousands or millions of plans of how often different outcomes occur. And you plot them on a histogram. And you start to get a sense of what's normal for, for, for your state or what sort of range of outcomes you're likely to see without injecting partisan bias into the process. And then if someone comes to you with a map and says, I want you to adopt this map, you can compare it now to the statistics of this ensemble that you've generated. And if it's an extreme outlier, if it's way more on one end of the extreme than what you saw in this collection of maps, that's a pretty good indication that maybe some partisan intent was involved in drawing the map. So as far as translating this work into practical terms mm -hmm. for redistricting performed by the Colorado Independent Redistricting, uh, Redistricting Commission, how would that work? I know you mentioned that you've, you've talked about that there's a number of, of mathematicians who are interested in doing this process, but could it translate of you just giving your model to them and saying, this is something that you could institute, or how does that yeah, how does that work? In principle, they actually could, because the computer code that we use is open source. It's a Python package, so that there's nothing particularly secret about it. Um, it certainly took me some time to learn how to use it effectively. So, you know, I don't know that you would just hand it to the commission and expect them to know what to do with it. Uh, as it turned out, uh, my colleague Beth Malmskog at Colorado College and um, also our colleagues Flavia, Flavia Sancier-Barbosa at Colorado College and Daryl DeFord at Washington State University, we were actually hired to consult with the Legislative Commission. And so they basically gave us criteria. They said, you know, here's what we want to prioritize. They told us some communities of interest that they really wanted to keep intact. And so we were able to take their criteria into account when we told the computer how to build this ensemble of plans. And so the kinds of statistics we computed for them were things like, how many seats would you expect Democrats and Republicans to win for certain elections? They were very concerned about competitive districts, and they came up with a definition for what they considered competitive. And so we were able to tell them, well, here's about how many competitive districts you might expect if you were just drawing the plans without taking bias into account. And so this was useful for them. So for instance, one of their directives was to try to maximize the number of competitive districts. And what at least one of the plans we saw actually had fewer competitive districts than the average of these randomly drawn plans. And so for that one, we could say, eh, we don't really think that one maximizes it. And then some of the other ones were, you know, well above the mean. And, and for those, we could say, okay, it seems like you did a pretty good job. So it, it helped them to have some quantifiable goals 
um, or just a baseline to compare to understand how the plans that they were choosing compared to this sort of universe of plans that they might have chosen. So it's interesting. I think so. In a way, what you were what you're talking about is that's that's sort of the human input of the side of you have your mathematical model, right? Which right. obviously you it's created by a human, yeah. but you have this mathematical model that you created. But then the district has sort of these this this human input or this other input that they can they can combine in order to in order to create a district that is right. that is fair but also is considers these definitions and these criteria that they right. have. And, and I should also say, you know, for all these millions of plans that we draw, none of them should be the adopted plan. The districts should absolutely be drawn by humans. There are so many things that they took into account. Communities of interest, the Voting Rights Act, a lot of things that are very hard to build into our model or even with current technology impossible to build into our model. So we were never going to tell them this is how you should draw the districts. Our purpose was just to give them a baseline to say, well, here are the kind of statistics you might expect from unbiased plans so you can compare your work to what we did. But we never, ever wanted to draw the districts for them. Um, no, that absolutely totally makes sense. And so, you know, we're a year out from the 2022 election, obviously next Next week we have some some statewide races, but the redistricting that was just completed won't affect those races. And so why why is it important to why why do um, why does this redistricting have to happen so early in advance? Well, so just in general, it it happens as soon as the census data is ready, and it was actually later than usual this year because of delays in the census data due to COVID. Normally that data would have been released in April, but this year it didn't come out until August. So um, many states and here in Colorado, that made the process a lot more abbreviated than it might have been because of some constitutional deadlines. But the big reason is because these districts do affect elections that happen a year from now, and candidates need time to, I mean, candidates need to know where their districts are, uh, what district they want to run in, if they want to run, you know, changing the boundaries of the district can completely change the political landscape and what people and parties want to do for the future elections. So the more lead time they have to know how to plan for next year, the better. Um, can you talk a little bit about an, some of the other mathematical models that you've worked on? Is there anything that's been similar to this? I, or is, it, is, this sort of, is this sort of off the off the map of what you've done in the past? You know, honestly, this has been a complete departure for me. because The mathematics that's involved in this, I, I'm going to say some words that maybe won't make a lot of sense, but there's a lot of probability and statistics. There's a lot of graph theory, a lot of discrete math. And prior to this, most of my research was in differential geometry and partial differential equations. Um, so this really was a, a very different turn for me. And, and actually, it's really fun, right? I've been doing the same kind of math for 20 years. And to be doing something completely different at this point, I'm really enjoying it. Um, where, do you see, where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself taking these models maybe in the future? Have you thought about as far as a couple years down the road where you'd like to see uh, working on these type of models, in, whether it's in elections or in other areas? No, I mean, I think that there's an awful lot to do here, right? right? So these, the methods that we use to generate plans are new. Uh, you know, the, the main method that we use to generate our plans was only developed about three years ago. And it's, there's continuing developmental questions, things like, you know, how do you be sure you're taking account of constraints about splitting counties or splitting cities, 
Um, so there's always, there, there's developments in the method. So there's actually some really interesting mathematics about how do you sample from the enormous space of possible plans you could draw. That's a very hard problem and understanding how your particular method is sampling is an ongoing area of active research. Um, and so on the academic side, I'm really interested in those kinds of questions about improving the methods. Um, on the practical side, I just really love having a chance to have an impact on this conversation about what fair districts look like. Um, and, you know, so right now it was about consulting with the commission as they drew the districts. You know, unfortunately, not everybody's going to be trying to do a fair job of this, and there will be litigation over districting plans in some states. And so there may be opportunities to offer expertise there as well. Um, and we'll just see, you know, I've, I, this has been a really exciting ride and I'm trying not to plan too far ahead because I definitely didn't see myself doing this five years ago. So we'll just see where it goes. So you could, in, you could in theory probably bring this up at a cocktail party and talk about it. Oh, for sure. And what, how, how do you, I mean, you mentioned this about as far, as far as how the computer models work, but is there a way you can explain this at a cocktail party that, that, that helps maybe the layperson really just understand it? Almost not the elevator pitch, but just try to 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 get a sense of what it is immediately. I mean, this is really just sort of rehashing what you're what you said as far as what you're doing. But well, I guess the really underlying question is how do you draw districts fairly? <laughs> and then you say, what do you mean by fairly? So we talked a little bit about proportional representation. I think a lot of people that leaps to mind when you think about fair districts. Uh, competitiveness has been a big part of the conversation in Colorado. People want to feel like their vote could make a difference in the outcome. Communities of interest are a big deal because um, people want to feel like whatever community is important to them has an opportunity to be represented. The Voting Rights Act has a lot to say about representation for minority communities. So there's all these competing priorities about what constitutes fair districts. And as soon as you start working with them, you realize very quickly that they're in conflict with each other. So you could imagine, particularly for state legislative districts, which are small, if you're drawing districts to keep communities of interest together, that could make them a lot less competitive. So which of those two things do you prioritize? And I'm really glad that that was not my question to, to answer, right? That was the commission's questions to answer. What I could do is provide them some quantitative data about how those priorities compete with each other and trade off with each other and let them make the decisions about what to do about that. That's great. As, and as far as, as far as just saying anything else to our audience, the CU Boulder community, do you have anything else to say on this subject just to, that's off top of mind? Vote. Every opportunity you get, vote. Because, you know, districts, not districts, whatever it is, your vote matters. Uh, Jen, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time today to speak with us. Thank you very much for having me.